You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing bonding to zirconia and how to achieve consistent, predictable results using zirconia in restorative dentistry. Our guest is Dr. Rolando Nunez, a dentist who is currently the manager of clinical affairs for BISCO and holds a master of science degree in biomaterials from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Nunez, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you for the invitation, Dr. Klein. Yeah, we really enjoyed your past podcast, which covered universal adhesives. You gave us a lot of insight into the benefits of using a universal adhesive and some of the limitations and caveats, although there didn't seem to be many. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about bonding to zirconia. And my first question is, why must the surface of zirconia restorations be pre-treated? When you look at bonding in general, it's been around for a long time, you know, bonding to metal has been around, bonding to glass ceramics has been around, to tooth structure, but bonding to zirconia is fairly new in the grand scheme of things, and it's still being developed. And, uh, but one thing that is a requirement is that for every surface that you bond to, you must generate mechanical retention. So it needs to be treated in order to generate mechanical retention. And the second step that you got to do on any surface is to generate chemical interaction. And that's why the surface has to be treated in order to bond properly. And that way, uh, the bond that is achieved will definitely help uh, clinically for the restoration to stay in place. So tell us a little bit about the pretreatment of the surface. What, what, what has to be done? You mentioned mechanical retention needs to be achieved, chemical retention. Um, there, I'm sure there's some contamination issues we have to be aware of. If you can get into more detail on that, that would be great. Well, you know, mechanical retention is achieved in many different ways, depending on the surface. You know, when you look at, for example, enamel, you, you etch it with phosphoric acid. Um, even, you know, when you use a burr, uh, a diamond burr or a carbide burr, you are going to generate mechanical retention. Um, on glass ceramics, you can etch it, but you cannot use phosphoric acid. You got to use hydrofluoric acid. On zirconia, you cannot etch it. You know, you cannot. It's not going to work. What you need to do is sandblast it. All right. So you need to sandblast the surface of zirconia. And this will definitely allow uh, for the generation of that retention on the surface. The sandblasting has to be performed under a protocol, specific protocol. We at BISCO advocate the use of 15 micron aluminum oxide, uh, which is, you know, blasted into the surface using a sandblaster at 40 PSI or 2.8 bar of pressure, uh, distance about, I want to say, two centimeters in distance, and got to do it for about 20 seconds. Uh, We get really detailed, and then we're talking about 60 degrees. Uh, Out of all those that I just talked about or mentioned, um, there are some that have to be, they're non-negotiable. So 50 micron aluminum oxide, 2.8 bar or 40 PSI, um, those are non-negotiable. Everything else, it's negotiable. So that's how you achieve the retention. The chemical interaction is achieved uh, via a functional monomer, MDP, which is a a bonding um, promoting monomer. So you you should use a 
a dedicated primer that has MDP. There are many in the markets, uh, and th this will provide a chemical interaction between the zirconia and the primer. And there you will achieve your bond, okay? And then this primer will also bond to your cementation agent, all right? So there's basically two critical steps that I'm hearing. One is the mechanical retention through sandblasting, and then once it's sandblasted, do you leave it dry when you put the primer on? You, you need to leave it dry. Well, you know, you, you asked me about contamination, and this is very, this is a critical thing, you know. This is something that every dentist should be aware. Here at Bisco, one of the, uh, the questions that we get the most uh, through our technical service representatives that are there to provide um, technical support, troubleshooting um, to clinicians that call is your typical thing is, you know, zirconia, crown, I bonded it two days ago, fell off, what went wrong? And then, you know, you start asking for the protocol, what product did he use? And he's using every product fine, you know, regardless of the brand, because we here at Bisco understand how other products function. But then comes the moment where the clinician talks about trying it, trying the restoration intraorally. So as soon as you try it in, what's going to happen is that the zirconia surface is going to become contaminated. The phosphate lipids of saliva will deplete bonding sites of the zirconia surface. So now you cannot bond to the surface. Even if you use a dedicated primer, the primer doesn't have anywhere to bond. And then, you know, whatever you use on top of that is not going to bond. So now you have a non-bonded zirconia restoration, even though you try to bond it. So you need to get rid of that contaminated surface. And you can do that using several, you know, you have products out there, you know, chemical. You can remove that uh, contaminated sur surface chemically using products. There are two products out there that I know of. One is called IvoClean by IvoClar. The other one is called Zirclean by Bisco. They provide an alkaline pH and they remove that contaminated surface. So after you try it in, do the fitting, you're ready to go. You use this product and you remove that contaminated surface. Another way of doing, uh, uh, of removing the contaminated surface is by sandblasting again, or just sandblast. Okay, so sandblasting will definitely remove that contaminated surface. But you have to deal with it. Otherwise, your bonding is not going to be efficient. So that contamination primarily occurs on the try-in. And then, of course, you're trying in before you're sandblasting in most cases. Or actually, what you just explained, the dentist is probably trying it in after they've sandblasted. Because if they would go right to the primer, that's where the failure would occur. So you're suggesting to, if they do a try-in, to sandblast afterwards? Well, here's the thing. You know, when when... When I talk to, to people about these failures, my first question is, who does the sandblast? Do you do the sandblasting in your office? Do you own a sandblaster? Or do you have your lab sandblast the surface? And, and then from there is where the variation of the protocol is going to come in. So this is where you need to uh, understand what's going to happen. If you're doing the sandblasting, it doesn't matter if the surface is contaminated. So, you know, you get, the, you get the, the restoration from the lab, you try it in, and then you sandblast. And then you're done, and then you apply your primer and do your cementation procedure, because you're responsible for the sandblasting procedure. However, if the lab does the sandblasting 
for you. And then you try it in. You have to clean it with one of these agents. And then you apply your primer and then you, you know, and then you do your cementation procedure. So it all depends on who does the sandblast, if it's the clinician or if it's the lab. So, so based upon, yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, sorry. That, that makes total sense. So in your experience with dealing with the technical support coming from the clinician, what do you find to be the most prevalent failure, reason for failure when, Cont when cementing? Yeah, contamination, contamination. Okay, so it's the phosph phosphates coming from the saliva. Yeah, if the clinician bonded, you know, because you can you can loot a zirconia restoration, you know, just use a regular looting agent. That can definitely work. There are other cements out there. You can use a self-adhesive cement, such as Relyx Unisem by 3M or Theracem by Bisco or Maxim Elite by Kerr, Maxim Elite Chrome. I mean, there's so many of these products out there and they can work as long as you have a retentive prep, as long as you follow you know, certain guidelines when it comes down to the evaluation of the retention of your prep. Um, however, when you have to rely on bonding because you have a less than ideal preparation, you know, short prep, too tapered, and you want to use bonding as, a, as part of your, you know, cementation protocol and the restoration falls, it's not only on the bonding, it can be on the, the, the you know, the less than ideal retention, but Contamination is usually an issue, and, and you can tell because you ask the clinician, where is the cement? Is the cement bonded to the tooth, the remaining cement, or on the zirconia? And then they will tell you it's on the tooth, and then, then you know that it is a contaminated surface that failed. Now, do you recommend bonding zirconia in routinely, even if you have good prep design that provides adequate retention, or is it 50-50? Or is it 20% time where you go through the actual pre-treatment and then the primer and then the universal adhesive? I think that, you know, if you, if your prep is ideal, if you have retention, you don't need to bond. You're, we're talking about zirconia here. You don't need to bond. You can just, you know, use a self-adhesive cement, which is kind of like bonding, but you're not applying an adhesive on the tooth structure. I will always recommend bonding to the surface of zirconia. You know, that, that, that's a yes. But on the tooth surface, no, you don't need to. Um, there is an interesting article by, by um, Professor Nathaniel Lawson from UAB. And, and I know him very well. He's just a brilliant, brilliant um, researcher. And he did an interesting article that uh, came out from a survey from the, the practitioner's network, clinical network. The research is classifying what people were doing in the United States, single crown units, what they used, what type of material and what type, what type of technique. Um, when it came down to zirconia, most people were looting or using a self-adhesive cement. I would say about 70% and about 30% were doing bonding uh, to both the zirconia surface and the tooth structure. So that's the breakdown right there. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, Dr. Nate Lawson has talked for us on Viva Learning on, on our podcast. So for those listeners who are out there interested in listening to Dr. Lawson, he's got uh, four podcasts primarily on, I believe, zirconia. Just uh, type in Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, in, in the search field on vivalearning.com. You'll see his podcasts. Um, thanks for mentioning that. 
Dr. Nunez. Can you think of any reason in particular why a doctor would not be confident bonding to zirconia with the right tools? Lack of knowledge, uh, not being updated. You know, right now, I could understand that, uh, you know, 10 years ago, that was something that everybody was talking about. Can you really bond to zirconia or not? Um, but nowadays, just not believing that you can bond to zirconia is just, it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, it, being oblivious to the science behind bonding to zirconia is, is something that shows that you're not reading anything. So, and I, and I don't want to be harsh about this, but that's just the way I feel. Right now, it's not talking about whether you can bond to zirconia or not. It's how well you can bond to zirconia. We have zirconia veneers out there with this, you know, um, ultra -trans translucent zirconia. I just uh, attended the International um, Association of Adhesive Dentistry Conference in Seattle, Washington, and, you know, the, the results regarding optimization of bonding procedures to zirconia is absolutely outstanding. It doesn't matter which company makes the products. It's just there. It's like, to me, it's like saying you cannot bond to tooth structure. Yes, you can. Right. And you can bond to tooth structure uh, predictably. Same thing to zirconia. Mm -hmm. Where do you see zirconia being used next? I think that if it's more aesthetic, there is a possibility for veneers to actually fulfill aesthetic demands of the patient. I, I have my reservations regarding veneers, but hey, you know, um, you got out there the, the early adopters who are trying this stuff and we owe to them. We owe, we owe, you know, they're the first guys that, you know, gather data and we can develop based upon on, the, uh, on these guys' findings. So I have a lot of respect for them. But I don't see zirconia being a product that will fulfill aesthetic demands. You have two great products for the anterior region. Posterior is doing great, and it's going to keep on doing great. So as we wrap up this podcast, um, as Director of Clinical Affairs or Manager of Clinical Affairs for Bisco, could you tell us a little bit about a few products that you have in your product line that apply to working with zirconia? Well, we've done quite uh, quite a lot of research on bonding to zirconia. Um, in order to optimize the bonding, you need a, a, a good primer. Uh, Z Prime Plus is our MDP containing primer. It was, was one of the first that went out there as a fully dedicated primer. We have a cleaning agent that you apply in order to clean the surface after trying to eliminate that contaminated surface. It's called Zerclean. Comes in gel in a syringe clean the surface by generating an alkaline environment. Uh, we have a very interesting self-adhesive cement, which contains MDP. It's incorporated into the system. It's called Therasem. So it bonds to zirconia without the need of a primer. So you sandblast it, and then you use the Therasem as your cementation material. However, it, the, the preparation needs to be retent. We like to think that... Uh, the results that people can achieve with our products are solid and definitely contributing to achieve better dentistry. Yeah, and Bisco has a great reputation as a materials company and also continues to innovate. You know, you're always coming out with new stuff, improvements. You have a huge amount of research and development behind your company. And people like you who are dentists and you have a master's of science degree in biomaterials. So your insight into using these materials 
is really unparalleled just in the fact that you have the clinical experience and the research capability. There's a huge plus there. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Nunez. We are looking forward to having you on another podcast. The one that is coming up is going to be on intraoral repairs, which is going to be very interesting. And uh, we look forward to talking to you on that one. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Klein, for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to share with you here in your podcast.